COVID and like and I'm, a, I'm at a point where I'm like pretty much fucking done with it like I'm just ready to fucking go on with the rest of my life I'm not looking for like anything other than hey Matt you can go back to work like I've never been so excited to go back to fucking work before it's just this like I'm gonna call it an, an incarceration just lets me further know that I would never make it in jail like, I know for a fact that I would need to be free. Like, I just want to go any fucking place that is not my fucking house. And I cannot stress that enough. Oh, man. Like, so I've pretty much purged myself of the people who were, like, being toxic about my situation. And so now I'm just waiting for results. Everybody else I'm just looking at, like... I don't want to be fucking quarantined anymore. Sounds like a great time. It isn't. It sounds like absolute hell. And I can't leave my house. I'm so sick and tired of not being able to go to the fucking grocery store and go pick up something other than McDonald's or Wings or some shit like that. Like, at this point, any human contact other than my own company is fucking valued. Just me and my dogs hanging out, doing fuck all, just non-stop 24-7. It's the worst, dude. Like, I just cannot even begin to express to you how much I want to leave this house. Stir-crazy is the understatement of the century. Like, I am literally just chilling in my house looking for some shit to do. Like, right now I'm repairing a 14-year-old Toshiba satellite computer for funsies. Just get me the fuck out of my own environment. And what's cool is that, like, I'm not, like, so stir-crazy as that I couldn't spend another, like, ten days here. But that's about it. Like, I want to get outside. I want to be where the people are. Like, I want to get the fuck out of this house and just do something different. The big thing for me is that everybody's starting to, like, question... Like, you took your test, like, six days ago. Like, technically five and a half, yes. But I I was told I took an older test. So those typically take longer to come back, I guess. I don't know. But I would really like to know if I could fucking leave my house anytime soon. So needless to say, my quarantine is going well. I'm just, uh, bored. And I want something other than to fix computers and sit in my house. So... Uh, I would like to talk about a couple of things tonight that I think will be intriguing to the public. And that's the fact that I've been watching some uh, foreign zombie films. Uh, The films that I have to note are uh, What We Become, which I believe is Swedish, and uh, Ravenous, which I know is French. Uh, I also watched a TV show uh, called uh, Zomboat, which was a lot of fun. Uh, So I'm going to cover those three uh, in this next segment. 
So what I've noticed with the foreign films and the zombie epidemic is that there are a couple of different things going on with their features that don't happen in like the American cinema. And that's much more about the like human part of the epidemic. I found that in both the films, Ravenous and uh, What We Become, that the human epidemic inside of that was much more prevalent than some of the stuff that we had seen before. Now, you're going to argue with me and say, like, oh, Walking Dead has been doing that for years, but this these country's cinema trails do not curtail to that kind of belief. And so the first film I want to talk about is What We Become. And it starts out pretty cool with... Uh, Gustav, I believe, is the son, and I could be wrong, but he's the son, and he meets a girl he really likes, right? She lives across the street, and she's kind of into him, and then the zombie outbreak kind of happens amidst, like, a kind of family community, and what's different is that it's not apparently a zombie film, like, right away. Like, it's sort of set up like a pandemic kind of thing, which is fucking pretty relevant, I feel, uh, naturally. But that's one of those things where, uh, like, they just start quarantining houses, and then they're, like, pulling family members who show out, like, infection, and, like, trying to quarantine them. And then the son gets this bright fucking idea to go release a bunch of zombies inside this zone. And then that's when everything devolves. Like, it's showing, like, the strenuous nature between the family members and, like, how they're dealing with, like, panic, those kind of things. With these kind of films, I don't really like to do, like, a negative side because there are plenty of things, this is, like, an English speaker you will not like as these films. Like, some things just won't make sense or correlate, right? Um, but there are a lot of really good things about this movie, and I'll get into that. So let's knock out some of the negatives. Uh, the negatives is that the uh, son uh, not liking the father was very wooden, didn't feel very good. The daughter doesn't really feel like at any point she's not an alien, which is weird. The mom is typically like the fucking horror movie mom where she's not like really into anything other than like let's protect the family, those kind of things. And when you know it's a zombie movie, like, those things just do not catch very well. Now, here are the things that I liked about the movie. I liked the fact that there was a sort of ominous tone, like they were never going to make it. And that kind of felt the way the entire time of the movie. Like, even when the first quarantine started to happen, like there wasn't any doubt in my mind that anyone would be living from this scenario. Now, I will say that I really enjoyed the zombies in this movie. Very, uh, combination between, like, uh, Curfew, the Spectrum original with, like, Sean Bean, and, uh, the guy from Aliens. Like, like, I was, I was genuinely impressed by that show. However, this is what I was watching. A combination between, like, Curfew and, like, 28 Days Later. Like, sort of sprinty zombies but like not really kind of just different like sort of like last of us zombies but like not quite fungus related like i felt like that was how they, how they like legitimately conformed i thought that the uh 
the zombies in this movie were like perfectly coordinated to be like just terrifying and ambiguous and it was it was a pretty cool idea. The only issue that you're gonna have to follow behind is the fact that it's a Swedish zombie movie, so everything's in Swedish and it's subtitled. So like if you fuck around with anime, yeah, not gonna be a problem. But if you don't, like you're gonna have to constantly like what's kinda interesting though is that some of the words make sense outside of the language so there's still some like carry through for the show it's it's a very good movie and i really like how it was done i understand like i think it's the second or third time i've seen it but overall very solid flick uh what we become the other foreign zombie film that i saw was called ravenous and i believe the movie to be french in origin and I really like the kind of uh, difference it took in the state of their zombies. Some of the cool stuff I found about those zombies was the fact that they had uh, different attributes to zombies. They weren't really like zombies. They were infected. And it made them like hyper-violent and like super sensitive to noise or like light and stuff like that. So like... Uh, for me, the zombies were cool because they were always like manipulative. Like, they weren't stupid. And that's something I think we miss from a lot of zombie movies or shows these days. I feel like just because your zombie is intelligent doesn't mean that your zombie's not good. Your zombie doesn't have to be a sprinter zombie and it doesn't have to be like a crazy zombie. But, like there's a lot of really good zombie shows out right now and I'm going to talk about them. Because I feel like a lot of fans of The Walking Dead are still stuck in that, like, zombie profile. But there's actually a plethora of uh, just zombie content out there that is way better than what you're watching right now. One of the really cool aspects about this movie was that everybody knew what was going to happen when you got bit. Like, nobody was... Excuse me. Hiccups and belches for being drunk. I'm not sorry. So, the the issue was, like, everybody knew what was going to happen when you got bit or you got some blood on you or whatever. Like, the whole movie as a whole, like, like, just the way it was shot, um, the character development, the quality it was for, like, a zombie movie, very well done. Like, I would say that that is maybe one of my, like, top two, top three zombie movies. Just the way that it was done. Like, uh, they were creating, like, chair monuments and stuff, and nobody knew what they were doing, but, like, it was important to them, and they never elaborated, which made it all the more cool. And the last of the three foreign things that I watched about uh, zombies was a show. It was only six episodes. It's called Zomboat. And I knew it was going to be shitty when I, like, I decided to watch it. Like, I just watched uh, Night of the Living Dead 3D. Like, oh my god. And we're going to get into that. Like, I've got that, like, on deck. Uh, I figure we can only talk about, like, two zombie-related things during a show. So, uh, <laughs> one of the other things about the show that I was really intrigued by was that it was a BBC drama but it was also like coordinated as a comedy and it is legit just the slowest boat in a channel and like the same pack of zombies follows them 
And just the show as a whole is really funny. It's ridiculously funny. It's not going to pick up, but it was a really funny show. And I really thought that, that, that it really deserved some more praise. So if you haven't had a chance to watch Zomboat, it's only six episodes. It's like 45 minutes apiece. But it's absolutely worth your time because it's hilarious. And if you like situational humor, like funny like slapstick comedy, and like uh, banter back and forth, that's the show for you. It's like the West Wing for dumbasses with a Cockney accent. I guess it's a very good show. Um, shame it won't be on uh, like more episodes. It's not going to catch. It's been on for a while, but like... Overall, very, very interesting, funny concept. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in this was the fact that at one point, the main character, who's a blonde woman, is covered in blood from trying to reverse over a traffic cop's head. And she gets splattered with blood. And so she's looking for a shower because the water in the boat doesn't work. And um, she uh, finally gets to take the shower. And then uh, through the course of this episode, uh, the group end up throwing a stripper over the top of the roof. And even though she's managed to get the shower and evade all these other zombies, uh, the zombie uh, stripper splats right down next to her and covers her back in blood again. Like, the show is absolutely slapstick funny. Talking about absolutely hilarious shows that we should be watching, uh, What We Do in the Shadows Season 2 is about to come up. And now I'll say this, that What We Do in the Shadows is probably my favorite just in general vampire movie. Um, just because of uh, uh, the director. Uh, he plays the German fop in the movie. I forget its name. And I probably couldn't say it, honestly, if I tried. But he's been directing Thor and doing a bunch of other stuff. But he plays a German fop vampire in this, and it's absolutely hilarious. It's also got Jermaine Tremont. Uh, playing kind of a Vlad the Impaler ripoff. He's called Vladislav the Poker. Um, uh, he's from uh, Moana, and he plays the crab, and he's from uh, uh, Flight of the Concords, like Bowie's in space kind of shit. Uh, but we're going to talk about the show for a couple of minutes. Uh, it stars Matt Berry, who's in The Toast of London, and I find that guy to be extremely hilarious. And uh, Mark Prosch, uh, I hope I'm saying that right, plays Colin. And he is a energy vampire. And the whole concept, like the whole wraparound, the work in with the movie, everything about that show is just absolutely hilarious. I have not found another show that just made me laugh my ass off as much as that one did. And uh, the movie is a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's called What We Do in the Shadows. It's both on FX as a TV show, uh, but more importantly as a movie. Uh, and you should buy that shit. Like, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. And in other news, one of my favorite things in the world is Big Cats. I like Big Cats because uh, just, like, in general, like, Cool Predator, like, and you can, like, look at them up close. And some of those things are taken for granted. So I watched a show called Tiger King. And, oh, my 
fucking god. Is this the most enriching television? Ugh. It's absolutely the best and most Herculean trash fucking TV ever recorded. And it's amazing. Like, I can't get enough of it. Like, on one hand, I lived in Tampa. I know, uh, I thought I knew a lot about Big Cat Rescue. And it turns out this chick, like, pretty much totally killed her husband. And, uh, the other guy, Joe Exotic, who is a gay guy with a bleach blonde mustache, or a bleach blonde mullet and a handlebar mustache, wears, like, a six-shooter everywhere he goes, but he, like, broke his back, so his legs in a brace or some shit like that. And, like, this other guy who's a, supposedly a doctor of spiritual energy who runs another fucking camp down here in uh, South Carolina on Myrtle Beach. Just fucking insane to me. Like, just all the connections and just getting to hear the war I had no idea was going on. And these guys are, like, backstabbing each other left and right, just going fucking insane. Like, to me, it's the weirdest fucking thing. To find out that something I endorsed, which was Big Cat Rescue, that chick pretty much is circumstantially guilty of killing her husband. Like, what? And then to find out there was a whole murder-for-hire plot and all these other things, just fucking insane, man. Just the weirdest shit. And I couldn't even begin to tell you where, like, the the it's the craziness starts or stops, because it doesn't. It's just like a full-ride fucking absolutely what-the-fuck-town, like, viewing. One of the, probably the best documentaries since I saw uh, uh, Don't Kill Cats that I think I've seen in a long time. And maybe, this is one of the crispest documentaries, too, because I don't ever think I've seen a documentary be so impartial and still tell, like, all of the story angles. And apparently this guy spent, like, five years making this documentary. It's superb. Like, it's one of the, probably one of the best documentaries as far as entertainment value goes that I think I've seen in a long time. A very, very solid documentary. Um, I, uh, I don't know what I believe at the end of it, essentially. Like, at the end of Don't Kill Cats, I was like, absolutely, bitch, you're guilty of helping facilitate this serial killer because you wouldn't just let it go and you kept antagonizing him. Like, she's like, are you guilty? Like, no, but you are. Uh, but that's where, at the end of this documentary, you're like, who, who the fuck do I believe? Like, who am I supposed to believe in? Like, I don't see anybody I want to root for. And it's just like, ah. I can't believe this fucking shit happened. Like, to me, the fact that this actually occurred, and it's a documentary, I'm just flabbergasted. I cannot believe that this shit I didn't know about. Because I love trash, like, documentaries and stuff like that, but this wasn't trash. This was actually, like, a federal indictment level, like, fuckery. Like, just insane to me. And if you're not picking this up on Netflix, you're making a fucking mistake. Because it is absolutely glorified trash. But it is also phenomenal when it comes to telling, like, stories and trying to be like, you know, we don't know what we believe either. To me, that's great storytelling. And speaking of uh, great storytelling, 
uh, there is about to be an anime resurgence for Akira. And one of the things about that is that uh, I absolutely love the film Akira. It's what got me into like the neo-noir themes. And if you know anything about me, you know that the neo-noir theme is pretty prevalent in my life. But I'm an advocate for a different form of viewership. As in that if you enjoy the movie Akira, you absolutely need to read the manga. That above all is the absolute best, like, psychosomatic, post-apocalyptic, like, just storytelling. Like, the Americans were involved at one point with uh, biological weapons, which you don't get to see in the show. You don't get to see the spider tanks, really. You don't understand that Canada is actually gone for, like, three quarters of the story. Uh, I would say easily two-thirds. Two-thirds of the story, Canada is, is gone. Um... You know, it's it goes through how Tetsuyo had his uh, his breakdown. Akira was actually alive. Like, there's a lot of things with this that were actually a really good manga. And I feel like if you're going to watch the movie, you should know where the story arc comes from and, and, like, how that works. For me, I think that the manga tells such a more diverse story about how everything collapses down... And, like, the, the, the gangs that end up becoming incorporated. And, like, for me, the whole thing is just read the fucking manga, man. It is absolutely worth the effort. Like, it's going to take you a while. It was four full-length volumes when I read it. And I don't even know how it was supposed to be divided. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to be three volumes or four volumes or two volumes. All I know is what I read, and what I read was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I would put that storytelling up with almost anybody, to be honest. Uh, I, I, the, the whole storyline, start to finish, is, it covers every aspect you can think of with a post-apocalyptic universe. And in other news, while we are still covering the coronavirus and other things that are going on, uh, the CEO of Hobby Lobby recently reported that his wife had received divine word from God that if they did not deviate from the current sales platform, that they would be absolutely fine. So, Hobby Lobby will be staying open, despite warnings and all the other chutzpah that comes with that. And um, what's crazy is that they are legitimately... Platforming, like platforming their entire business based on the religious hearings of the CEO's wife. How absolutely insane does that sound when it comes to a global pandemic? Like how off the absolute chain does that sound as a global pandemic? Like what? What did you just say? That's insane to me like you're just legitimately gonna put out there like my wife heard the word from God and uh we're gonna stay open full staff now if it was like for the benefit of their employees or whatever that'd be fine but it's not and that's what's terrifying is that people are gonna let their like religious beliefs and all these insane conjunctures like like hearing the voice of God telling us to stay open, stay the course.
like you're legitimately going to base the entirety of your employees' health and welfare welfare based on your wife's private prayer hearings. I just I I think that 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 and it sounds as insane as I say it, but I don't know if enough people believe me to be like, oh no, she's she's in the right. Like what? Like, people's lives are at stake. Like, stop fucking around and start believing in science. And that's a huge problem with this country, just in general. But I digress. So, one of my huge problems is that I deal with depression pretty regularly on an everyday basis. It's one of those things that, like, I try to escape it. uh, I try to outrun it. But that's not how that works. And it never has been. You know, um, I just, uh, it's hard to come up with ways to compete with your depression, but I feel like there's things that you can do to try to get out of it. And so, uh, here's my helpful hint to all those dudes and dudettes out there who are depressed and not sure what to do. I have a fish, and he has a pretty dope fish tank. I take care of it, and his name is Frank. Frank is just Frank the Fish. And my responsibility is to keep Frank alive and maybe teach him a few things. And just as I say his name, he's been popping out and like trying to show me his fins. And to me, that's awesome. But uh, trying to keep a creature alive, don't do a dog or a cat. Fish is cool because like, if he's a beta fish, like you can choose a pretty cool beta fish for like 20 bucks and just keep your homie alive. Like, it's your responsibility. Who else is going to take care of Frank the fish? And I have a deep emotional attachment to this fish. Like, I can't even begin to, like, to tell people. Like, I get worried when I change the water in his tank because I'm not quite sure the acidity will kill him. And to me, that's fucking terrifying. But that's the kind of thing that you need. You need to link yourself onto a Frank the fish. That's just what I believe. And that's to help you with your depression. To help me with my depression, I record the El Bastardo Magnifico and get to talk to some of my best friends free and clear and talk about the things I like to talk about. So I'll tell you this. If you think you're classy, you're probably trashy. Good night.